Welcome back, diary listeners. This is From Water, part two of our time with Carol LeBaron, a textile artist, a dear friend. We get really art nerdy here. And this is one of a couple recordings that I have with Carol. So this might be the conclusion of this particular podcast series, but this is surely not the end. Enjoy. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. species in the world is a quahog. It's a what? Quahog. A quahog. Okay. Yep. That's the oldest species in the entire world. I looked it up the other day because Jason Stapleton uh-huh. had in one of his daily alchemy letters, there was some quote about being, you know, if learning to change people, ex- species exist. I can't find the quote now. I wanted to make a meme out of it. Oh, and cool. I lost the quote, but I, but I pulled this image. I've looked up what's the oldest species, and it was this. I saw this picture of quahogs, but I need to find this quote because the idea is like the ancient species survives because it's adaptable. Mm-hmm. So these quahogs, yeah. they're adaptable to everything. So wow. that that's that's why I can be where I am and be so happy. Yeah. Yep. And and know that that you know my work is important. Oh yeah. I know it is. Like oh, down yeah. in here, just the way you know your work is important. And that, that there's that I don't have to justify it mm-hmm. to try to convince anybody because if somebody doesn't see it, then they're then they have their own thing that's important. That doesn't make what I do less important. But it's right. taken years to understand that. Well, yeah, because you had so many people saying that you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there is that. Yeah, you know, being like, no, don't do it like that, and you're messy, and you're the you like uh, that is super. Um, that's super stifling. My my, I really think that my first apprentice. Um, you know, we're we're not speaking right now, but I I have a lot of, you know, I I have a lot of compassion for her because when we started out, we we both went to the same school. We both went um, to Micah for for art, and she actually corralled her interests like you into teaching. And then what I saw of her coming out of teaching was this whole line of work that was gorgeous. I bought paintings from her. She got tattooed by me, and um, and we sh- we started sharing what our mutual education had been. And her story was very different from mine. You know, right out the gate, I was. I was always a person who just loved learning and I loved um, just being a good student and I loved trying things. And, but right away too, I also was kind of enamored with the classical ways of doing things. Like I really liked those things right away and I, I fell into them very easily as well. Um, plus my rendering skills were really good. So right, right away that kind of connected me with people more just because I could do that. Um, so I got a lot more acceptance right away from, from my teachers. Uh, whereas, uh, my, my former apprentice, 
who's now a tattoo artist, she, she had a lot more kickback, you know, she wanted to do things a lot like, like what you were saying, like, where she wanted to experiment with things and she wanted to dive into certain, certain modes of creativity that her, her teachers wouldn't let her go in right in them. You have to, you have to stay here. You have to learn this and then we'll let you do this. So I think her entire life being an artist she never was able to really grasp and hold that truth because everybody kept stripping it from her. Everybody kept telling her that she wasn't, she wasn't what she should be. And it, it was really hard to, to kind of let her feel okay. Like her apprenticeship was kind of rough on her because what I was asking for finally was that she accept that truth. That she like ah. really, really, really lean into it. And she didn't understand because like you had said about teaching, you have to prove yourself every second. That really resonated for me uh, when you had said that. And I feel like that was something that she excelled in, in teaching. Like she was a really great teacher. But I think that because now she had stepped into being a student again, and she was confronting a new mentor to, to mm-hmm. learn another art you know, these old things, these old demons kind of came up in her head and where she was expecting me to be very like, you do it like this and like this and like this. And it was regimented, like, you know, teaching is in a lot of ways that, and I'm a new teacher. I don't know what I'm doing, but like, she was like, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm not getting what I need from you. And I was like, but you have it. I can't give you what you have. I'm just, get. I'm just, facilitating this new purpose, this new path. It's all there, kid. Like I, you would not be here at all. If I didn't see everything you need in you already. And so it became a conversation that we'd have regularly. She goes, I have a question. I know I probably know the answer, but you're going to, I want to hear it from you. I'm like, okay, let's roll. And it would be her answering her own question half the time. And I was like, you already knew that. And she goes, yeah, I knew. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it, it sounds like-, like she needed that validation too, though. Oh yeah. Well, and I, I mean, get that. Yeah. I, I need it too. Um, you know, That's I've a- always played the student more than the teacher. So for me to be the teacher and be like, you know, having to give the constant validation, I was like, what do you need this for? Come on, man. Like, <laughs> you know, I love you. Like, (laughs) but yeah, like it's a, it's a stifling thing. And I'm glad that you've, you've gotten to this place because you do deserve it. I mean, your artwork, I love it so much. It's so beautiful what you, um, and just hearing you talk about it, the more you get more out of it as you, um, as you talk about it, you know, I wouldn't have gotten from that, that like the water was such a key thing, but now that you say it, it adds more to even the piece that I'm looking at because, through this, this, this branch out of life runs this vein of blue. And and the contrast is all the other colors that you have around it, that, that it kind of morphs out of and comes out of. And even if your process, when you think about what you do, what you have to do with the wool, you have to, you have to keep that flow very, very, um, like sent, you have to purposely like steer the flow of how you you give color to it how you place everything how you restrict certain things all of it is kind of like the growth patterns of a life like that like you're you know you're kind of participating in this this creation 
the same way that the the plant would, you know, like grow and and its journey and and the pressures that it it has to move throughout, you know, like it's really kind of cool. It's very very neat. I I you know the more I, I learn about it, the better. Thought it is. about that, but that's true. Yeah, it's very true. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is my artist talk. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but that's that's awesome. Yeah, like, yeah because it, you're seeing that, and I didn't. That's the part that that we have that you have when you're tattooing the person. And when when I was speaking to that before, saying how if somebody say somebody comes to you and they say, "I would like a tattoo of an angel," or they have a picture or something. And then you have to find a way to make that work through the way you work. Mm -hmm. That that is, that's where I was with this last piece, but with this piece, it was open flow Mm -hmm. and it's all about the water and the way the dye flows. And it's like, I talk to each other, say, okay, now you're going to come over here. Okay. Now you're going to take you out and put you out. Like I, I, I'm constantly talking to these pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I'm working on some videos of me doing this. Um, <laughs> well, I think it'll be great because yeah. then when people commission you, they'll know your process and they'll, they'll take part in this kind of journey with you. And, and they'll really understand that that's part of what they're buying too, is, is your communications with the piece and your communion with the piece. And with, right now they don't know that, you know, like they, 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 they just see the outcome. And that's the same with me and tattooing, you know, a lot of what I've had to learn when dealing with people in commissions. Um, Cause I know that we're circling back to that. One of the things that I've had to learn with that is, is, is ownership of my art and taking their idea and saying, okay, I hear what you're saying. And I even had to do it in hair too. I hear what you're wanting, but what I'm going to come up with you're not going to be able to track the process of you're not going to be able to, because I don't even know how to do that. I go to a place and I let it, I let it respond. The only thing I'm going to take from you are these inferences, like these little bits and then kind of channel all that through me and then create. But what we're going to come up with has never been, it has never been, and it will never be again, unless somebody tries to mimic me. And even then it's going to be a poor man's Amy you know, or, or, you know, poor man, your tattoo, you know, like, that's the thing is that this, this is completely an art piece, What you're buying into is this experience of working with an artist and really taking it in place of a place of like connection to this thing that is very rare. And it's very much so about you. And it's about me. And it's about all of the things that bring us together. And that's what makes it so valuable and such a moment. Um, and when you when you work that way, it increases the tattoo. It increases the the textile. It increases all of those things to to something that is truly rare. And like that that is something I like to stay within. And I, it's taken me a long time to do that because, like you said, you know, what people come with is something that has already been. They look at a picture, they look at Pinterest, or they look at these things, or they look at a plant and they go, I really like these things. You have to hear those things and kind of shelf it 
as you're, as you're working and take it into consideration. And then when I present a piece, that's kind of what I say. I, I do a really thorough consultation. Like you do, you meet with them. You'll see the area where they hang their work. You know, you'll see whatever, you know, you meet with them and really dig deep into their idea. But when I present it, then it's kind of like a reverse. Like I, I, I track back through the consultation and I, and I tell them all about what I was thinking when I, I was doing it and how I honored the note that they were going for. And if I chose to dismiss something, why, why it wasn't working and, and, and I break it all down for them. And within that, you're teaching your client almost um, a, a really important thing about how to look, how to see, how to experience, how to, how to judge um, what the, you know, you're infusing them with a lot because you're sharing your creative process with them that nobody else is willing to do. Generally, they just show them something and be like, this is it. You know, this is what you're getting. Like it or leave it, you know, like take it or leave it. And then if you leave it, you suck. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's I had I had a meeting with one of our dear friends on the network yesterday. Um, and I know you're going out there uh-huh. to see them yeah. and do that too. And and I'm I'm so excited that in all of the things that you just said. Um, you know, he, he was describing this, you know, that it's going to be this process and he's going to get to see it and I'll be mm-hmm. all about you. And I'm hearing you describe this and I'm thinking, because I, I, you know, I, I heard the client's perspective yesterday, mm-hmm. yeah. how excited they are about how this story is going to be, what your take on this story is going to be and all of that. And it's so fun to hear you describe this after I heard it from the other side yesterday. It's yeah. really cool. It really yeah. good. I love that. It's um, neat. Yeah. My in my case, my favorite type of commission is people that want a piece for a specific spot in their home. And it's a larger piece because it's really fun for me to make big pieces because I have more room to move. Mm-hmm. Ever since I started, I, I just that's why I first thought of me doing carpets. I, I'd, I'd love to be able to do an entire like environment. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, just an installation of a whole, uh, you'd have to go through three or four rooms. And, and I did something like that once close to that. But anyway, so I go to their home and they, they usually somebody who owns some land, the, the pieces that have I've had a few pieces like this and they love their land or maybe and when we walk the land together and then there's usually a specific spot like this one lady she had a cattail pond she just loved, she used to meditate by her cattail pond she loved the cattails the reflections in the cattails and so i write all that stuff down i take tons and tons of pictures i get the color stories i make a color book with the colors from that and then i put the piece together from that and craft that from that so when it comes back and it's there it's just a reflection of what they love from their mm-hmm. own land from from where they are that's my favorite Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. But because, you know, like it it is, it's like experiencing what I get to experience with people where, you know, like they have to be vulnerable with their bodies. We get to, you know, see the place that we're going to put it. We got to talk about why and all of these different inferences. I love that, that bit. Um, Yeah. yeah, So the woman that got the fern, Mm -hmm. so 
did she come with a fern? Did she know where she wanted it? Like, what, what was that? How yeah, did she, she gave me a body part. That's one of the things that I ask is like, what, where do you see this being? Because uh, a lot of it is like, you know, it's up to them at first to kind of present their initial idea. So what is the body part? Um, I was traveling, so I was going to Rhode Island, uh, when I met her and she's, she was from there at the time she's since moved. Um, but she was like, I really have this idea of a Nautilus and a fern. And, uh, she, you know, we met, we talked all about it. We talked about, um, her, you know, ideas of these things, why she picked these elements it was very, um, it was very much so about the journey and becoming who she is and what she is. And, and, you know, that, that spiral that happens in both of them and both of their sto- story. And, um, we ended up putting a heart in there at one, one point. Um, and I forget exactly, but I, I know that she hated hearts but she wanted one in there. I think that's how it went. Like she hated, she hated the generic shape of it, but we ended up infusing it in there because I felt like, um, it was, it, it was like a, a love almost, or this connection kind of thing. Like the, I forget what exactly how it went down, but this heart shape ended up being a part of it. Um, and she really doesn't really like the heart shape per se. I thought that's what it was. And, but she kn- knew it needed to be in there. Um, huh. And we also had to interact with um, another tattoo that she had lower that had like a watercolor feel too. And it ended up all going along. She really liked my work because it was watercolory. It was light and softer and it didn't have a lot of the harsh lines. And um, she wanted a representation too of her children in there. So there, there's three, there's three, um, ferns that kind of run through it. Um, and they're all at different stages of like growth and they're all tackled with different, um, techniques of, of tattooing. Like one is black and gray with like stipple shading. Another one has like, they all have their own individuality. And she was like, it's so great. Like, this is such a perfect tattoo for me. So, so there was all these inferences and then I just, walled in, um, looked at a bunch of pictures. She sent me a few, um, but you know, it's a Nautilus and it's, and it's a fern. So, you know, you can reference from a lot of different things, but we talked about colors. I kind of took in her, um, you know, the, the attitude of the person is a big thing too. You know, you get, you get energies off of them too. Like you can kind of see, I I don't think it's aura per se, but it's like a, it's a vibe. Like, you know, you get, if they're, if they're aggressive or if they're meek or if they're very contemplative or, you know, like you get these kind of feelings when you meet a person attitude wise, and it kind of helps drive whatever. It's so, it's super cool. And that's kind of how I do it. And then when I present it to people, I'm like, okay, you know, this is, this is what we have. I show them how it's supposed to kind of sit on the body or what I'm thinking. Um, You know, I talk them through the idea, all the points that we talked about, and um, I think we only had to tweak like a, a couple little things on hers, but otherwise it was, it was full steam ahead. You know, she loved, she loved it. And now she's like really happy. And we've, we've traded stories um, about it. Um, our meeting was really cool because I was meeting in my friend Evan shop as a, you know, a transplant. So I'm uh-huh. in a foreign shop. And um, my process is a lot more intimate than a lot of them. So, 
you know, we, we kind of like walled ourselves in, but we were like sharing a space with two other artists, um, which I, you know, I think that she'd, um, she, she really appreciated how I handled, um, her because she had never gotten a piece that big. So she had some anxiety about sitting for it. Um, the pain of it, it and everything quite large was it? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it was a decent enough amount of time. I think it was like five hours worth of work. So that's a, that's a, that's a bit of time to where you really start feeling it and wishing sure. it were done. <laughs> you know, like yeah. just, just sitting there, you know, uh, getting repetitive pain, like, uh, you know, everybody handles it differently, but most people I would say don't like to be on display when they're, you know, having pain. So I really just try to talk with my clients a lot while they're experiencing it and get them out of that space and really connect with them while we're working, which is something that I've heard is rare for me too, that I can actually talk while I'm tattooing and carry conversation. Um, because not a lot of artists can, they have to really focus and wall in. The- I don't think I could talk and work very, you know, I, that's why I don't listen to enough podcasts. I was talking to, in our conversation yesterday and, and I'm like, I don't listen to very many podcasts. And, and he's like, well, don't, don't you in the studio? I'm like, no, because if, if I get really interested, I'll be like, yours are fascinating. I love it. <laughs> so I'll be sitting there with my needle like this. Or like listening. Or I'll have to rewind it because I'll realize that you talked for like 15 minutes and I have no idea what you said. Mm-hmm. So it's counterproductive because they're so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's true. I, I find that that's a lot of people's process. Like um, I, I just have always performed while I've done my art. I've always been out and, and had people asking me questions as I was doing it. So it was, it's just always been something I've been able to do but I realize it's rare. Not everybody can do that. Um, and it's a sensory perception thing. You know, I, I think I have it with writing. Like if, if I'm writing something, my mind moves. Cause I, I, like I said, I think I'm a little dyslexic. Um, I, my, my, I can hear what you're saying, but what I write down is it's, it's a mess. Like I, have to <laughs> I can do it. Like I'm, I'm thinking like when I teach workshops, mm-hmm. I can do it, but also I have kind of a reputation because I make a mess. So people love watching my demos because they're just all over the place. But so I can talk and work in that way, mm-hmm. but not the other way. Right. Um, well, because you're creating the other way. The other, the 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 instruction, you already know what's going to happen. It's, you well, know, not you, necessarily. It's never. Well, okay. <laughs> Well, but, but still, disclosure. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not always, it's, it's not, it's, it's not like, it's not like perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, like I, so I heard this with my mom or not my, with mom, um, with, um, with somebody who, um, I always related to acting. So, um, actors to me are amazing because they can, they can do both things. They can understand what they're performing as they perform it. Um, because they kind of go into it and they become the character. Um, and it's a lot like what I hear from, from teachers when they're talking about reading to a class out loud, they can read it really well. They can kind of like express everything, but some of them, like, I don't even, they're like, if you ask me what I read, I don't really even know what I read. I kind of go into the space of reading and presenting it. And it's a much different space if I'm sitting by myself reading a book 
internally and digesting it. I can digest that information at that point. But when I have to deliver the information, I have to go into another space of performance and make sure that I, what I'm what I'm putting out there is clear and it's a different voice. It's like a different switch. It's very interesting. And, and I'm working on both. I'm working on trying to have both. Um, I don't read out loud very well. Um, so I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to do that. Like, like kind of syncopate the thing, the thing, because usually I have to read to myself, understand it, and then I can deliver it. I'm like, Oh, that's how they wanted that to be said. And then I can perform it. But if I'm reading out loud, I can't, get into it. It's like, a, it's a weird thing. Like I'm, I'm too paranoid about like reading it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, and going, what if I get to a word that I can't pronounce? <laughs> So there's all that too much thinking. Yeah. It's too much thinking. No, I know. And that's the thing is that like, I, it's like that, you know, too many mind, no mind. You got to go into those spaces of no mind. Um, so you're going to collaborate next. You have a, you have somebody that you're working with intimately. So she's like your apprentice almost at this point. Right. Um, you know, she's learning. I don't think she's like, I don't think she, she's not like my apprentice, but we mm-hmm. definitely are working together into intimately. Oh, that's cool. It's, I have, I don't have, if somebody wanted to apprentice with me, they could, mm-hmm. that apprenticeship would be the work that I do teaching right. them all of the dye processes, all of that, that, that would be that this other thing this is working with someone to bring out their creativity. Got you. Got you. I like that. Yeah. So it's different. It's not, yeah. that's why it's not like an apprentice. I had to think about that. That's why it's not like an apprenticeship, but yet I'm because really I guide her to what she has in her already back to what you were saying with your student right. would kept asking you the questions. How do we do this? How do, and, and with, with her, she'll be like, well, I really, so she's, she, right now she's, um, she loves to draw pictures of animals. She's, she's loves making animal f- portraits. Right. And so we're working together and, and I give her ideas for materials, techniques. I say, study this artist, study that. Right. She comes, I say, here's how to do the color studies. We're doing, you know, we're doing basic color theory exercises Mm-hmm. And then she's doing that. She did some of them as animals. So she comes back to me with what she took out of it. And then we, we build from there. I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, yeah. But she's painting. So, you know, maybe somebody might come to me with stitching or dyeing or you know, whatever it is that they wanted to do. Right. Even tattoo. I know nothing about tattoos, but I could help them with the, with the articulation. Oh of the absolutely absolutely so and i don't really know how to put a name to that i figure what's going to happen is that because i'm excited to just i love working with people Mm -hmm. so i i feel like if it's right somebody's going to come along Mm -hmm. yeah well definitely definitely (laughs) no I i don't know I think so. Um, and there will be, I'm sure a, um, a, a branch off even there, because even with the intention, you know, I was thinking about what you said about an apprenticeship and how you would construct it for teaching them what you do. 
Um, and I think that was kind of the disconnect with me and my, my apprentice as well is because I think that she expected me to kind of, uh, make her more in my image. Whereas I was like, Oh no, no, I just want to make you a tattoo artist. Like I want you to be a professional. So for me, it wasn't, I, I did the same thing as what you're saying with the student of yours that you have, but I was doing it with her with tattooing. I was like, look, the essential is, is that I, I teach you enough about the structure of tattooing so that you can be your own artist because you don't want to be me. I don't want you to be me. Yeah. That, yeah, that wasn't what I meant. No, I know. But you were talking about like, you're, you have a very, you have a very specific craft and way of applying things. Um, And you'd be willing to take that, that on an apprentice because it's so in depth, your process that I'm sure that would, that would be the technique. Yeah. So they would, I, they could apprentice with me to learn all of the techniques, but they, how do I put it? They can I never have, be you. <laughs> I, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's so many, and this is, I don't know if the tattoo world is like this, mm-hmm. but in the textile world, there's proprietary information. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, there's lots of workshop teachers that don't, teach all of the secrets of what they do because it's it's, they it's theirs Mm -hmm. Uh, I took a workshop with somebody like that once and it was a there was I actually took it because I saw some work that this girl did and I wanted to learn how to do it right it was a particular technique Um, now it's something that everybody knows how to do but it was um it it was doing wool onto silk and like some things that you do with those two fabrics and I wanted to learn how to do that and she's like, well, no, we're not doing that. And this, but that's, that's my work, but we're doing felted mittens. I'm like, okay. So I learned how to make felted mittens, which is right. awesome. But right. she wasn't teaching that. And even in the textile industry, mm-hmm. like the secrets are safeguarded. It's, right. it's very, you know, in the fashion industry, I think is like this too. Like, you, you don't, right. so my big thing is my, I'm an open book. Right. Every single thing I do, I'll teach you everything I know because I want these techniques to be out there. They come from techniques that are 3000 years old and I want you to be, to learn how to do them. And I don't care whether they try to make work that looks like mine or not. Right. Sometimes if they're learning, I mean, a lot of times that's how the old masters learn. They copy the old masters. They're they're welcome to, you know, and when I teach my workshops, I give everybody the leaves that I was using that I'm not using anymore or whatever to use. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it looks like mine just because it's the shapes I designed. Right. But people, most people that that do that take it their own own direction. Right. Either that or it's so much work. They're like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. But, you know, (laughs) right, right, right. No, no, I I think that that's um, well. And and well, to answer your question in the tattoo world, I think it's uh, it depends on the person you run into. I'm like you, Carol. I'm an open book. You know, for me, I know that the things that I do with people, no one else is going to be able to do like they're they're well, not not the way I do it. Um, I'm me. Yeah. So I, I just give them everything and I, and I hope that in, in the path to them becoming who they are, they'll remember where they came from and, and they'll just honor that. And however they do it, the success of them is the honor for me. It's just that like, you know, that, that I can say to myself, you know, I put something good out there into the world. You know, I, I, I gave a piece of myself to somebody else's success that matters to me. So I, I don't, I, 
And I think the universe uh, responds really well to those things because it's a place of abundance um, that just keeps giving back. Yeah. I love that. It is. It's abundance. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of like the, the Swedenborgian idea of, of heaven and hell where hell is so narrow. If you, if you love murder, you're going to end up in a place where there's nothing but murderers. You're going to mm-hmm. think you're in heaven because that's the thing you love, but it's narrow where if you're following your laws, you end up in a celestial heaven where you, you love everything. So you get everything. Yeah, exactly. And I love that. Um, I say it again so the listeners can um, can look it up because I, I loved hearing about um, this investigation, but I'll let them do their deep dive. What is it? Um, the The practice? Or the the faith? Oh, oh, Swedenborgian. Yeah. Or so, so just look up Emanuel Swedenborg. And yeah. you have to watch out where you look because there's some places where you look it up, they actually say it's a cult. It isn't a cult. It's a religion. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Um, there's Buddhist well, elements in it. There's all kinds of elements in it. But it, he was a he was a philosopher. He was 17th century philosopher. But awesome. um, yeah, it's well, I mean, for me, uh, I always, I always think that uh, it's like, it's like the, the idea of anything, right? Like a fork could stab somebody, but could also help you eat your food. It's the same thing with cults, like, um, or any kind of word or things like that. I think it gets a bad rap, but I feel like most things, I think a good business is a good cult. Like, that's how I've always seen it, you know, right, like, right, right. You know, like, you know, you have your brand, you have your staple, your followers, you have your preacher, you know, you have all these people that go out and they, they follow it and they keep, they keep investing in it. So like, for me, a good business is a good cult. Um, you just got to not be in a bad cult where they want you to castrate everybody. And then, you know, like, you know, know who the writer was, but I'm (laughs) I'm just saying that because some, I was telling people about, um, Swedenborg and they said they looked it up and they said it was a cult and it's not a cult. Yeah, well, yeah, so there's something on Wikipedia. I don't but know. see, that wouldn't even work for me because, like, let me find out about this this freaking cult. Like, I want to know more. <laughs> like, I wouldn't stop there. Like, I'm just like, let's what? Well, let's see if I can take it because that's how I approach all religion, actually, and faith is. Um, let me let me go just like I do with art. You know, let me go see what's for me, and then I leave the rest. You know, yep. and so I just pick yeah, out right. the inferences that make me happy, and then that's. And that's that. I don't um, even know how we got onto that. I guess it was because you were talking about abundance. But yeah, no, I, I I like that philosophy. I want people, you know, this is about you. And I know this is something that we've talked about and that you've shared. And if people can go investigate that, they might find something that really speaks to them. And that's the point, right? Like the point of talking about these things is to share, you know. Uh, well, then in that case, I'll just tell you what what, what the website is. Let's see. Yeah. Let's um, see. I think it's really um it's really good to, um, as you were saying before, I'll show somebody anything because you never know what's going to spark from that. And that's what I think is the magic of these diaries that we're submitting is that people are going to listen to the, them, I hope, and then they're going to siphon from them exactly what I said, what they they think is worth it for them and have a little bit more of a clue of what to do tomorrow. And that's the point, right? Like, you know, if you're talking about professional journeys and things like that, and people feel stifled or they feel held back one, it, it, it helps to have somebody like you where you can all, you know, you've already talked about, you know, how you were six writing books and things like that. If anybody, you know, understands that that's been their journey 
and they can identify, then they can give themselves permission to relax a little bit, find their happiness sooner, you know, trust a little bit more and realize that like, even through all the things that you experience, you know, medical distress, a cataclysmic, you know, thing of our country, you know, the birth of your children and things like that, that you can go through these things and find the happiness that you have right now and the excitement to keep going into other things that it doesn't end. And so what's the, uh, what's the website? Right. So it's just Swedenborg.org. Oh, easy. <laughs> For Sweden, B-O-R-G.org. Oh, okay. That's the right Sweden Board Church of North America. And you can find anything out you want to. There's brief introductions. There's, you can read about it. But the, the thing, and, and as you were speaking, I, I realized how, you know, we do want people to know who we are. And, and I am a person of faith. I, I believe, I do believe in God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I I wouldn't be here without some kind of divine intervention. I'd be dead. Yeah. yeah well, things I'm, that have happened to me over my life. There, there's no reason. There's no reason I should be here. And there's no reason I should be this happy. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, there's no, re- it, you know, I've got beautiful children and, and grandchildren. I've got um, a relationship that I've been in with for, for 40 years and it's better now than, you know, it's, it improves yearly. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were married for 60 years. Um, I, I've got, I, I'm close with all of my family. I just came back from visiting with all of them. I, so family is really important to me. And, and, and all of these things, you're right. They do make up who we are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Well, it's, it's important for people to hear that because I think that, um, you know, part of the point of the podcast is to be a catharsis, you know, a place where people can go. Like I said at the top, you know, uh, uh, and I don't know if we were on record when, when I said this, but if it was before the the, the story began or before our time began, um, you know, I a lot of people cover people who have already arrived or, or what society thinks is arriving or success or whatever. They're notable people, even either in an industry or whatever, you know, the point of the apprenticeship diaries for me was to touch base with people that I have come across in my life that I find really, really immensely talented, interesting humans and share them with the world because one, they make up my experience, but also because I think that we can all share in this kind of like, you know, this joy and this love together. And the more that I I put that out there, the more that everybody shares who they are, it just all brings about really great things and we can help each other. We can uplift the experience together. And I think that that is what um, all the people that I follow try to do. Like they try to educate, they try to share, they try to be vulnerable and it it does matter. And it helps, like I um, said before, like Russell Brand, I, I just listened to his book recovery and that's one of the things that that he talks about is that if you you feel disconnected at all, the idea of recovery. Um, and he talks about it even in in the book of like you know in in the twelve step programs they ask you to give your problems to a higher power. You know a lot of people misunderstand that as needing to buy into the idea of God, but what he breaks it down into and the way that he was taught was from an atheist. And he said, you know, the, the power is giving it up to the faith of the 12 steps. You know, you're, you're submitting to the 12 steps. That's the power. 
Mm -hmm. You know, that's the faith is that you don't have to necessarily believe in God. He's like, I want it to be known that I do. Um, You know, my life has proven those things to me. He's like, but when I teach the 12 steps, it's really just telling people like you have run off this idea of yourself being a power and you've gotten here and you're messed up. So either you disconnect from that idea that you know everything and that you can run your life and continue to be messed up, or you submit to another power, which is this program, and you give to it and you see what happens. And he said, and I found through this this program that this is what they meant, giving it to a higher being, giving it to something else and working a program outside of anything that you would conceive of and just seeing. And um, it's really, it's really awesome. But that's how I see um, spiritualism, faith, all of those things. I connect with, that's why I can connect with a cult. I can connect with anything, <laughs> you know, like, well, I just, like, you might, you might like this then. Some exciting news, diary listeners. We actually got a wonderful promotional code from Reinventing the Tattoo recently, and we're happy to share this with you. It's 10% off on a subscription to Reinventing the Tattoo. And if you don't know about this wonderful, wonderful service, it's continuing education for working professionals, very geared around tattooers. But I would venture to say that if you are looking to improve your art skills and have regular momentum to your creation, Creativity and to your own professional education. I can't recommend it enough. One of the prime people that you will be critiqued by and helped with and draw with and all of that good stuff is Guy Atchison. And if you don't know about him, you probably should. He is a very, very pivotal person in our industry. I joined them for, for one exercise. I, I did a color study. I mean, Rico sat there and, and watched me the other night do mm-hmm. a, a color study exercise with Guy and company, and it was amazing. I was flexing all kinds of muscles. It's just all around if you want to improve your art skills. I can't see a better way than hanging out with a lot of professional artists and seeing the kind of work that they do and the kind of exercises they work on all the time. It's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. So again, that's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. And that's going to save you 10% on your subscription. Go check it out, folks. Uh-huh. So um, so you're, you're talking about step two. Uh-huh. Came to believe that a power greater than myself, than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And and step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And so my first sponsor used to say, you know, I, I believed in a power that's not me. Mm-hmm. But what I like to say to people that are ha- struggling with this, because a lot of people that I've sponsored or worked with over the years, and it's it was 27 years in, in October, um, a lot of people I've worked with hate, hate, hate the church because they were somehow, they had bad experiences, bad, you know, things, they, they mm-hmm. saw hypocrisy. You know, they, they, a lot of people, um, 
have these kinds of experiences. Oh, not all, but there are that I've met people who have. I, mean, I don't want to, you know, I want to be yeah. very careful with my words here. But I've met enough people that feel that way. So I love to say came to believe, which means that something in our mind, we believe that the sky, we believe that there's a floor under our feet. Mm-hmm. So we got to the point where we could actually accept that something could have some truth to it. That a power, mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. old kind of power. So anything that makes something go that's greater than me, whatever right. that right. is. So don't even have to believe that there is one. Just that if there was one, a power that can do something I can't do could restore us. So if there was one, which I'm not saying there is or there isn't, but if there was, maybe it could do something. Right. Because we don't understand it. Restore us to sanity. And then we don't even have to go into the problem of whether we're sane or not. Right. Because... Restore us to sanity, which I love the description. It just means doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But that whatever that power is, we could come to believe that if there was one, it could restore us to some place where things make more sense than they do now. Mm-hmm. And that's all that is. And, and what happens I mean, and, and I see it all the time. And pe- people think when they see that, when they see, they think it means we we would restore us to saying we believe it. No, could. Okay. Or they think, oh, this means we have to pray. Or I'm not praying. Or I'm not going to believe in God. But right. like, well, where does it say anything? It doesn't say God there. Right. No. Yeah. And, and so a lot of people use the steps for their higher power. Um, I know somebody that uses motorcycle for a higher power. He prayed I love it. Get. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Just something that's not us. Well, and I think it, it it's about that, though, of understanding, again, you know, uh, when I started with the top, it's reconnecting us with what we really are, right? We're not, we're not this body, you know, we're definitely more than this body, you know, you, even on a, on a, on a chemical level, on a scientific level, you'd have to admit that because the body is not even a, a stable thing. It, it, you know, it, every seven years, apparently all of our cellular yeah. structure is different. You know, so we, we are not even a fixed point, you know, like we're, we can't just be this thing and that's not a, a, a continual state. So to me, you know, the more that you, you do get into this idea of there is, there is all of it. Like you said about heaven, you know, like it is everything. It is, it is all the love. It is the love of, and the connection with everything. That's what I think we really are. I think we really are you know, a, a part of the universe. We were just, you know, a part of this bigger thing and investing in that um, practice um, and communion with it continually. The more that you you choose to do that, um, I do think it returns you to sanity. It returns you to what you are. You recover what you are. Ooh, sanity is being what we are. Yeah. I love this. I just got that out of what you just said. Nice. I hope it infuses your artwork with something really cool. <laughs> It already has. I mean, your artwork is amazing. Anyway, I know that this is going to probably spiral off into, you know, a whole bunch of really cool things um, after you've you've thought about it. Um, and this is the kind yeah. of stuff that I love, you know, in communicating with you and anyone on the network is that, you know, if anyone 
uh, is looking for a place to have these kind of conversations. The Nomad Network um, with Jason Stapleton is definitely a good place. I couldn't, you know, more highly recommend it um, because it, it it is just such a cross pollination. And I do belong to other stuff that, like you said before, when you're talking about your daughter being like, you know, I don't want to listen to a podcast that's just about tattoos. Um, you know, I do have spaces where it is just tattoo artists for the most part and that they're really great and they're really pointed. You better but cut that part out when you edit. Oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly realized she might not like that. Oh, well, I mean, I will. Yeah. Um, uh, what marker? No, I just, I just, she's really, yeah. Oh, well, you're private. Um, I got yeah. you. I just want to look at the timestamp. So we're like a two. Yeah, look, at, that's why I said that because, yeah, don't put that in there. Cool. I can do that. Um, yeah. We've talked about it earlier too. I suddenly did. realized I should have said someone. Someone. Okay. When you said that someone uh, <laughs> told you that they wouldn't want to listen to a tattoo space only, that's yeah. the... Uh, no, that would really annoy her. Oh, well, I, I don't know her. I didn't take it personally. Um, for me, that's the reason why I... Uh, I went into tattooing, like uh, not tattooing, went into a podcast that was more diverse was because right. I yeah. didn't want to be limited by my profession only. And it's a very easy thing to incellulate your, you know, uh, yourself into this one bubble of reality. And I realized I had done that so much. And I really started seeing that there was more connection to other professions than I had ever thought. And, and it's been really great for me because I'm and I'm sure with you, just learning all the talents that you actually already have that you never knew were marketable, never knew that it could be another job, never knew that like this was a part of what you already do. And that's something that I I really love exploring about sharing this, this space and this these conversations with everybody. I learn what it takes to become a certain profession. And through hearing people's stories, and then I then I see myself, and I see yes. you know all these things in their story, and it's really really cool. And again, this is probably my recovery. You know, like it definitely is me charging into a fear that I very much so have um, a lot of fears. You know, confronting the world in a different way, having my voice be the thing that stands for me. Um, you know. Uh, just so many things. What will this do to my artwork? How will this affect certain things? Um, you know, technology, running full face into technology. I, I freaking hate technology. I hate it. Um, but I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, you just made me think of something so important. Tell me. <laughs> so put, look at your timestamp. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so timestamp. Yes. Okay. So, I'm realizing how important the earlier conversation that we had was about preconceived notions in listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so someone that I know <laughs> did not want to just subscribe to your podcast because they saw it as a podcast about tattoos and they already were so many podcasts, so much noise subscribe to so many podcasts that why would this person add another podcast? That's not necessarily in the wheelhouse of things that they're mainly interested in. Right. However, what you were just saying about being who we are about branching out 
about realizing that whether it's tattooing, whether it's rebuilding engines, whether it's, you know, um, what kind of cleaning supply will get the mildew off the edge of your bathtub. Mm -hmm. It's all one with the universe. And so the fact that you chose to find a way to make this seem more universal or become more universal, talk to a lot of different kinds of people. Of course, tattooing will be the general theme because that's who you are as a tattoo artist. Just as if I ever start a podcast, which I don't know if I would, but I, I could, I, I do YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'd rather go on someone else's podcast, but we'll see. But yeah. this is really fun. I love this. It is. It's nice. But, <laughs> but that, that brings that universality to everyone. Mm-hmm. So, so I really love that. So I think that's where that concept, I don't, I, you know, I think it's really important to, for you to have that in yeah. there. Yeah, no, totally. Well, and it was something I wanted to share with people too, because I, when I started thinking about making a podcast, I was like, you know, I'd really love to share with people. And there is a, there is a girl I, I'm in her, I, her podcast is released right now. She has a podcast called Tattoo Collecting Podcast and her name's Fawn Baker. And she actually um, has really dope clients who are cool with being on a podcast as they're getting tattooed and sharing their tattoo experience. Wow. Um, right. I know like that, that for me was kind of like a halting thing because what I found in my, my studio space was that for me anyway, that it was kind of like a, I don't want to inflate it too much, but like a patient doctor kind of confidentiality thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, yeah. and I didn't want my client to hold back from what they needed or wanted to share in that space with me because it's so beautiful. Um, but exactly. The first thing I thought of, yeah. I wonder how many of those clients are, are acquiescing, but it isn't getting all the truth there because it doesn't have that confidentiality. Exactly. And so I was thinking of like, how could I, how could I, you know, share this, this experience that I have within so many different kinds of people that I get to, you know, so many different kinds of people get tattooed and I get to learn so much from each one in that space. So when the podcast came about, I first thought about it in terms of tattooing because I, I wanted to give back to this industry, but it became bigger than that. And it became something where now I think it's even more of the kind of art piece that I want it to be for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, you know, the, the core is from the tattoo community, but the, the essence of it is really, uh, entrepreneurial journeys for everyone. And this idea of apprenticeship and this very raw way of finding yourself to refinement. And that's something that we all partake in. And I wanted that to be a space that everybody could come to. Um, and it, I'm sure it will. The more it gets out there, the more it will. But um, I, that's it makes it happy for me that you see that about my work too, or about the podcast anyway. Uh, it's a big thing. It's a lot. But, you know, the people who have been following it forever, they get it. And they will get it forever. Um, the newer well, here's another one. Here's another wonderful metal metaphor for you for oh, apprentice yeah. diaries. So apprentice is um, here a person who is learning a trade from a skilled employer. That's that's about about, about as generic as definition as you could want, right? Mm -hmm. And a diary is you're writing down your story. But what if this is the big? As you say, all different people, all different kinds of people 
different walks of life. So we're all apprentices to ourselves or to learning life. We're, we're apprentices mm-hmm. in learning how to, we're, we're apprentice humans. Yeah, no, it's like true. We're humans, but we're, I'm an apprentice human. Like I'm still learning, you know, yeah. how to, I just interrupted you, for example. That's a big thing I'm working on is not interrupting people. I, had, I said a prayer before this podcast. I wouldn't interrupt you very much. So that it, it's, but apprentice humans. So apprenticeship diaries. And and yes, it was before we were recording when you were talking about your concept of the diary and multiple installments with the same person, mm-hmm. that that becomes a record of what they do, but also their apprenticeship in as humans. Yeah, no, totally. It's it's a whole moving piece. And like that's what I that's what I've kind of that's what I hold in my heart now when I think about it and when I'm struggling, honestly, in doing this is is that, and it goes back to one of my big mentors who I keep saying that I will have him on my podcast and I, I still have to get, there's so many people, Carol, that I have to get back to. It's dumb. Um, <laughs> not dumb. No, well, I mean, it was just like that I, I haven't emailed yet and I want everybody to know I'm, I'm going to get to you. This is going to go. I plan on this podcast going on for as long as I can. So, which means to me that I will get there. I will get to you, but, um, this person, I definitely have to get on there. He's my, one of my first major mentors, uh, Joe Giordano. And I remember being in his class in his figure class. And it was a, it was a lesson on being precious. He was just like, when, (laughs) when you feel like you've learned everything, you're ready to die. And he's like, you never, never get to that point ever, ever, ever. He's like, as an artist, you always are learning. You're always moving. You're always doing. He's like, you never know everything. You've got, you've got to love the journey. You've got to love investing and moving forward. Once you know it all, it's either time to walk away or to die. (laughs) I love that. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's how I feel. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Yeah. And that's, and that was a magical thing to get when I was in high school, you know, to have a teacher that, that, you know, put that in play right away. Um, yeah. Right. Um, I wanted you to, um, tell some people, cause you said you have some things that you're building. What are some things that you're, um, you're going to be putting out there in the world? I know you have a YouTube channel, so I would like people to go and check that out. Um, Because you teach a lot of things, and how can they reach you, and how can they work with you? How can they get on the LeBaron train? (laughs) So the LeBaron train is 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 it's it's, moving. You got to get on it. (laughs) It's moving at a crawl. So if you want to get it on the ground floor, where where things are just starting to happen, this is the time because things are happening at at a at a at a gelid pace. Hey. I got a bad knee. That's the best word I could think of. Um, you know, I have a little link tree. It's mm-hmm. followcarolabaron.com. Oh, cool. Perfect. Yeah. And so if, if people f- go on that, they can find all these little links. I think there's five of them now. So I have YouTube. If you Google Carol LeBaron, you'll find a lot because right on. Um, there'll be classes and work and stuff that I've done. My website, I'm just putting back together. I'll say this right out there for the world is I've had the same website for 20 years. And back when, you know, you couldn't get a website made unless you paid something like 
regular people wouldn't have software in 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 2000 it was unusual to have a website mm-hmm. uh, I, I can honestly i can remember the early 90s and i can remember being in my house and somebody brought a computer in there and everybody was like that internet's not going anywhere what a waste of time and money that is and my very first computer was a little apple lc2 and i can remember dial up you know waiting and waiting for the it, it, people I'm going to tell y'all that computers haven't been around very long. No, no. Like you and, said, 20 and years so, is not that long. No, <laughs> no. It, it, when I was in college, we we had cards and carols and, you know, card files. And not that it isn't great, but there's lots of information that's not on the computer that's still in libraries until the people don't maintain them anymore, which is a terrifying. That's a whole other. We could talk about that on a whole other episode. But that's to say that this website um it's taken me three years to finally be able to get my domain back where i own it because this person isn't around anymore and he used an old email and i don't have access to it you couldn't verify it and because the verified domain couldn't be verified i couldn't make any changes on it so but um (laughs) <laughs> That's like, yeah. So you know, a lot of money wasted on, oh. on that kind of thing. But um that that's you know technology and I I've I always I've always done things as they come about. So I'm learning how to do it now with WordPress. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling that story. Don't be discouraged if you go on my website and don't see much. It'll be there. I'm just right. Yeah, because now you can finally change it. <laughs> right now I can work on it. But you can also, if you Google me, you can see my work um, in other places. You, you can you can find access to images of my work. Awesome. Pretty soon it'll all be there. And on your link tree, I know that I follow you on IG, so that's there, I'm sure. And and they yeah. can they can chronicle. You've had some really nice videos of your workspace there, which is really cool. And I'm going to be putting out some um, a newsletter soon, and I'm going to be putting out some um, little tutorials and things like that. If you want to get on my mailing list, um, you can. It, the li- the link is there on the link tree, but it's it's um, Carol LeBaron. Actually, no, it'll be a different URL. Just go to the link tree. Follow Carol LeBaron. Yeah, I would there do that. There is there is a um, if you go to carolabarondies.com. You'll find a free stitch meditation. You you click on it and you can you put your email in there. It'll give you like a little video of me in my studio, and I'll walk you through through this very peaceful meditation. And you'll get on my mailing list. So, um, if you want to get on my mailing list, that's a really good way to do it. That's awesome. No, I, I couldn't I, have it that way because I I don't believe in having people on my mailing list that don't want to be there. Yeah. yeah. So I made this little thing because that way you get to find out a little bit about me and you get to see me actually talking and like, oh, maybe I'd like to know what she's doing. Yeah. Then you put your email in it. So that's why it's like that. And maybe I don't want to just be adding people on because then what if they don't want to get emails? Right. No, I think that's a better way. Like I said, you know, when they find you, uh, that was something that I had to to talk with Jason a little bit about our, our mutual mentor. 
Um, I was like, no, trust me, dude, you don't have to, you don't have to talk. All you say is tattoo and people just flood, like flood you. I was like, I have to actually make people find me. I have to put up blockers for them and access to me because that's how, how much I have to funnel um, specific person that, that I want to work with and that I, that is purposeful for me to work with that they have to find me. And I agree with you. I think it has to be integral like that. Like, you know, why, why would you want somebody having, you know, all this access and they didn't really want it, or they didn't see the gift that it is. They're not, they're not there for the right reasons or they're not ready. Um, or it's just not what they're interested in. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I respect, you know, everybody out there, you know, everybody has things that they love and things that they want to do. And people should have the freedom and the right to to only get mail or email that they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, that's a little place where I can try to help make the world better and not be not <laughs> <laughs> litter too much. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I, I have so many subscriptions that I, I get so much and, and I want them all, but it's impossible for me to, to see all of them, but it makes me happy to see them. So I appreciate that thought because when I see their names and things, I'm like, Oh, you know, I keep those. I keep them. Even if I haven't read them, I keep them because it's kind of like my storage bank of like, okay, we well, got to keep up with like what you subscribe to. Um, That's how I am with Jason's emails. Yeah. I keep, you know, I want, I want to be the person that if, if you get my email, you're going to feel like there's something worthwhile in it and, yeah. and you won't just delete it. Yeah. No, and that—that's exactly what I do with his. Um, you know, all, I'm. I'm no, 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 no. I keep them. I keep them. I keep them along with the the other ones. You know, people, other subscriptions that I have, whether paid for or not. Um, I keep them, and they're like my my. You know, like they're my prizes. Like I, I feel like it's the same as like framing a newspaper article or something like that. You know, like. Yeah, this is a timestamp thing. And that's the beautiful thing about the technology is that it timestamps it for you. So you can track back and be like, what were we talking about a year ago today? You know, where was my head at or where was his head at? Or, you know, oh, we have to do this again in a year. See what I know we should. Let's do it. Um, I want that. I want that. Cause this is definitely not the end. This is just the beginning of so much, you know, like um, I feel like this is a really cool space to kind of be in and it's right before 2020 or 2022, you know, we're, we're wrapping up this last year. There's so many intentions that I think both of us are kind of looking forward with, um, and excitement. And we're both in a similar space, uh, I think in our we joy. Are. Yeah. We are. And we, we have some common goals too, I think. Yeah. No, I just, totally. just the making the world better gold. Yes. Yes. I know it sounds, you know, kind of fluffy and, but honestly, I've always felt that way back when I first started studying Eastern art, the thing that I was always fascinated, the reason I took up Eastern art and religion in the first place, I left RISD in the first place, it wasn't quite enough at that time. RISD only had art. They, 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 like, if you didn't get your, your hundred drawings for foundations done, because you're writing an English paper, that wasn't any kind of excuse right. at all. Yeah. It, it just didn't, it, it, it was just something they had to have, but it wasn't. Now it's different. Now they they respect all, it's a whole different place, but not when I was there as an undergrad. Um, but oh, 
I can't remember where I was going with that. Well, no, no, you were. Um, where was I going with that? It had a point. Well, you were talking about um, the um, making the world a better place. Making and, the world you know, a better it, place. Yeah. Yes. So I went to. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Smith, studied Eastern art because it, the art was about the religion. Yes. The mandal. It, it was all about how they were connected to the spiritual world, how everything mm-hmm. was one. And I wanted to find out what that was. What is that connection? Why is this art so beautiful? That's why my first artworks were mandalas. Right. But in a yeah. way, I think I'm still making those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You are. You're definitely making those still. Um, it's it's different materials. It's different ways to comprise it. It's not necessarily, you know, like it has it has more of a circuitous path, I'm sure, than than the the manga, mandala that kind of branches out in this very, you know, rhythmic mm-hmm. way. But it has a different rhythm. That's that's all yours. Yeah. But you're still making them. I think that's awesome. And in a way, so are you, mm-hmm. because what you're doing is you are so intimate with the surface of the, your, the, the body of the person you're working on. I mean, I'm thinking about the whole the history and meaning of tattoos all the way back to the Maori. I mean, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I've always yep. loved body art. And so you are part, again, tattooing and textiles are both really ancient te- traditions. Oh, yeah. And there, there are connections too. Many textile designs are designs from tattoos and vice versa. Yeah, you know, there's a whole route there that oh, would yeah. be really fun to explore at some point. Oh, absolutely. We are now um, a big thing that's a, a huge pattern that gets used a lot is the uh, flower of life, which is uh, again an ancient Eastern uh, philosophy of things connected to a lot of different. Um, philosophies, but that pattern, there's so much pattern work that's being infused into to tattooing now, um, sacred geometry and things like that. People are pulling in these kind of inferences because they're, I think one, it, it's graphically really beautiful and it decorates a body really well, but also because of, of that that connection to all these different kinds of observances of art, which I like about tattooing is that it is so you can infuse it with so many things and it doesn't have to make sense. And because I'm American, I, I feel okay with bastardizing everything. Um, like, <laughs> just like, everybody's like, are you afraid of cultural appropriation? I'm like, no, man, I'm American. I mean, we are the cultural appropriation of everything. <laughs> there's no, you know, honestly, there's no such thing as cultural appropriation. No. Because no. if you, if you, again, you take yourself into the 5,000 year view Instead mm-hmm. of the 300 year view, you can see there are different cultures. There are certain patterns that show up in from the Nazca ruins to the Oceania to ancient mm-hmm. China. They, they, this, you'll see the same patterns crop yep. up independently. Yep. And that, and I, I like the Jungian idea, you know, these yeah. archetypes or the idea that it's all somewhere in our DNA or something yeah. so. Joseph Campbell felt felt that way too. He connected it with the the collective conscious, the human psyche, and how we have these repetitive views of things that we experience throughout, you know, mm. millennia of the human condition. And and you know, before before the internet, we we taught. I think we learned from that. That's why I think that um, you know my heart really sank when you were told when you were you know very young like you're doing it wrong or something I'm like no mm-hmm. sure. no she was learning from that connective space you know you were right. 
you were learning from the way that we used to learn when we had to interact with things tangibly and there wasn't this remote thing. The remote's great, but you can't let it, it's kind of like drugs. You know, you can connect to the, to the, to the collective conscious through drugs and through all that, you can expedite these things that you can do through meditation and hard work and all that, but it's, it's very artificial. And if you depend on those things to connect you, much like the technology, I feel like you rob yourself from a lot of things that you can gather when you're willing to, you know, like be brazen and interact and get dirty and, you know, like really experience it. Um, You have to be willing to do that. I think you have to be willing because then you know what to trust. Otherwise there's, there's no cutoff to the floodgate. It's just too bombarding. So I, um, now we're, we're really, we're really connected on a, on a deeper level. I, I know we've been talking, we've been talking for almost three hours. That's typical. That's yeah, typical. I love it. I love it. And so, and I don't, I'm sure that you aren't even halfway down that sheet of questions. So that's all. That's all. Well, the one last thing that I wanted to um, ask you was, uh, uh, you know, and you might, uh, you might feel comfortable doing this or not, but like, who are your inspirations? Who are people that, that really, um, you would might want people to look at and and experience for themselves. Um, in in what way? Uh, uh, either artistically or whichever. I mean, you you had said on that question that I inspired you in some way, which I really appreciate. That did yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you do. So, yeah, well, that's why I'm asking. Do you mean artists that inspired my work, or do you mean people that inspire me now, or do you mean just in general, just any, any, anybody that comes to mind, you know, your first thoughts. Well, you definitely were on the list, mm-hmm. um, but I was trying to think where to put it. It's, I don't know your artwork well enough to say that you were an artistic influence on me. Right. No. Um, where, where you inspire me is in this whole putting letting the world know who we are Mm -hmm. yeah which is so important Mm -hmm. because i can talk all day long in you know in in, to my to the clothes of my closet about how i want to make the world better but nothing's going to happen if i don't put something out to the world correct and and there's going to be people it's going to really irritate but there's also going to be people that say, huh, that's interesting. Or maybe there'll be people that want to talk about it, say, you know, you talked about this, but what about that? Yeah. You, you can't even get out of the gate and have a dialogue if you talk to your shoe. Correct. <laughs> so, and and you, if, from from when I first met you, we started doing those clubhouse things. Mm-hmm. That's really where, that's where, what I said you inspired me. That's kind of where that came from. Because, you you know, we started talking about stuff mm-hmm. out there. And it was huge. I used to look forward to those Tuesday and Thursday nights so much to, to having those oh, conversations. start them again. <laughs> this is, this is, this is like that, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's good. I mean, you know, and I tried it, but, you know, I sat there in the empty room for a while, for a long time until other people came on, but I'm not that great at it. Of course, you know, wouldn't know that listening to me talk to you for three hours, but so that there's that. And also that you, um, 
you figured out a way to let people know what you're doing in a lot of different ways and all, all different social media that all of that, that's, that's very difficult for me doing the social media, figure out how to do it, how many things to do, how much time, but it takes me a long time just to make an Instagram post. Well, me too. I get faster and faster, but that <laughs> you was know, the thing. Every time it doesn't work or it's like, I don't know what it is. And Twitter, like I'll go to try to make a tweet and it'll ask for my password. Every, I mean, I'm just like, like come on, I'm man. So over it. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, how, is there, how are people tweeting all over the place and then do it, you know, anyway. So that, and I don't know, like that you, you're, you're real in a way that inspires me to say, you know, it's okay. People aren't going to come at, come beat me up with a stick if I let people really know who I am. Um, well, that's a mutual one of ours too, because Jason Stapleton is our both of us. Like that inspiration yes. came from that, so that's what linked us. Well, um, and I I have to say Jason Jason Stapleton for sure mm-hmm. because um, starting to work with him, I started working with him in April of 2020, and it's definitely changed my life. It's changed everything. I never he he has confidence in me and I don't even know why, you know, so he says, yeah, I, he, he'll be like, you're amazing. I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, yes, you are. but I just, you know, so it's, there's <laughs> <laughs> my daughter, Emily, mm-hmm. um, and this, I, I will give her, she's, she has, she has been in my corner and we've been through hell. I mean, you know, I, there was a lot of work that that we had to do with our relationship just because of who I was when she was little. Um, But she is, is she just believes in me and, and stands behind me and says, mom, you can do this. And it's, it's really uh, unbelievable. Um, Maria Tolokas who I've lost touch with. And I don't even, you know, I'm not good about this kind of thing, like reaching back out to people that I wish I could talk to that I remember. Um, she was seminal to me at school. Um, my Latin teacher, Mr. Fenton in sixth grade. That's awesome. And about him. Um, he, he had this big giant ruler that was eight feet tall. And when he wanted people to be quiet, he'd just drop it. Crash! I don't know. There was something about I. He he was he was another one. I was late to class a lot, but I was never late to his class. Um, artists, Ava Hesse for sure. Okay, Lee Bontecu, um, Carl Blossfeld's photographs. Awesome. Um, all the great photographers from Adams to, I can't remember the names of them all, Edward Weston, all, all those people. Um, photography is a huge part of my work, mm-hmm. um, particularly in my jacquard work, which we'll talk about at another time. Yeah. Um, but I, I photography, I, I did a lot of photography at Smith. I ran the dark rooms too. And I just, of course, what happened to me with photography was, because uh, I developed my pictures, it was black and white photography and all of that. And I've got all my old Nikons and everything. Um, but then when it went to digital, I, I couldn't afford to buy a camera. And I didn't do any photography to, photography at all when they stopped making film. Um, I just got a digital camera less than a year ago or just about a year ago now. Yeah, it was a birthday present last year. So I and it's it's a huge learning curve for me yes. to go from everything I knew with using an SLR 
to it, it's I mean uh, the principles are the same it like it took me three months to understand that ISO is just what the film was yeah <laughs> right oh you mean it's like the codec 100 ISO 100 is the film yeah you know? and, and, and if I'd understood that when I first got the camera that would have helped me a lot right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, I know. And, and, uh, you know, aperture speed, all of those different things. Um, I, I, I know the concept of these things. And I'm happy I do. It does make it, uh, translatable a lot easier. Um, and I'm happy for, um, understanding it at its rawest form in that, in that dark room before I moved into it. Yes. But yes, I will say it's the same. The learning curve is a lot. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think for the both of us, it's just finding out what's applicable to what we need and then cutting the rest out, which is Making hard. Making the settings that'll work for what we want, period. Exactly. Let's see, who else? Queen Elizabeth I. Oh, cool. Awesome. I like that one. <laughs> um, yeah, she was amazing. She she yeah. she she got put in the tower. She went through all that stuff, but she ended up being the queen. She's unbelievable. There's a movie about her. It's called Elizabeth. Yeah, I heard it was good. Oh, my gosh. You should watch it. Okay. Um, there's a lot of historical figures like that. Strong women. Hildegard of Bingen. She was another one. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. P- people from history. I could go on. Like, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. But I'm sure I forgot important people. One last question. This one might be hard because this is an area that you teach in. What is your favorite era in, in art? Uh, that you favorite pull era in art mm-hmm. oh. your art history teacher I'm curious if you have one uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow i know it's like asking what's your favorite color it's really fucked up <laughs> no the problem is is that there's because i love i loved um I'm thinking about the difference between the perspective in Japanese prints and in the Chinese painting of the literati and and then um, what happened with perspective when um, when for whatever reason they starting with Giotto, they begin and then the um, Da Vinci, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who the other one was. It, it, his name begins with M. It's that crazy painting of the guy lying down with the big feet. Do you know uh, the one? Michelangelo? No, 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 no. Oh, no, I know who you're talking no, about. I I mean, it's a really name. weird painting. Yes. It's in every art history book. The guy's lying yes. down. He's got these giant feet. The foreshortened <laughs> view. Yes. I, I, yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> That's so funny. Somebody will put into your comments who this artist is. But it's that that's the trajectory mm-hmm. that happened once that once that was invented, it couldn't be unseen after that for all these yep. artists, which happened after the 11th century. And in the 11th century, they didn't have perspective, but they really the painting you think about the 11th century, there it was really all Christian in, in the Western trajectory. Right. It was Christian art and Christian subject matter. So how much of that was, and how much artwork was secular that we've never seen or was destroyed? Right, exactly. So I, I guess 
I can't say what my favorite era in art is because even though I teach art history and I can think of hundreds of paintings from different eras, they're only, after all, just the paintings that survive from whatever era it is. Right. Well, and and like we've been discussing, this path isn't just a straight shoot. There's so many inferences that come in that change it that we don't even know the full story of. Um, It'd be hard to comment without that full story. Um, I just realized why I probably never got full-time corporate jobs when in the interviews. (laughs) Because those are the kind of questions they would ask. And that's how I would answer them. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a great way to to wrap with be like, if you find that you answer a question like Carol just did, got to be an entrepreneur. I think so. You better find your own way. Yeah, these people are probably, probably how many people halfway through that answer? All you asked me was what my favorite art era is. (laughs) I can't can't answer it. I'm the same way, girl. I am the exact same way. That's why I didn't work out either. I I, I have too many questions as to why I I answer questions with questions. (laughs) Like it's not. I do too. Like, why do you want to know that? What does that have to do? <laughs> yeah, this is this is definitely a, a you know. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have our crowds that love us. They'll know exactly. I'm, so many people are gonna laugh at that. <laughs> well, Carol, I don't want to keep you more from your day. We're we're approaching, and I'm sure both of us have to pee or eat or something by now. We've been talking so. Long. You know what? I never ate today because everything happened. So I'm oh. gonna go. Eat. You should go eat and you have other things to do. This has been really fun. Um, Yeah, we'll do it again. Can we forget anything? I can't think of anything. I'm sure we did, but we're going to do this again in a year. So it's fine. How the hell are you going to edit it? (laughs) I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out because that's the next thing. I have to do it now. This is what spawns that spawns the next thing. I got to do it. I got to put it on the network. I got to put it out there. There's a YouTube channel coming. It's all these things. I got to do it. Well, you're you're gonna have to start doing your podcast more than once a week because I don't want to wait a year to talk to you again. <laughs> well, I have to do Clubhouse again. That's what I really have to commit to because I do. <laughs> I miss Clubhouse and I miss that. I think it's the time slot that I picked for this particular pursuit to bring energy to it. Um, I think that 12 p.m. on a Tuesday is just too odd a time frame for most people to do. It worked better, like when we would meet at 8 p.m and talk on a Tuesday. That was a much better time slot. People were done with their day. We could have fun and commune. And it was when everybody was winding down. And I think that that's the, that's probably the time slot I have to move towards for, for clubhouse, but I'd like to do clubhouse again. So that way we can talk more. Okay. 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 I love you. Thank you. Love you too. This is fun. (laughs) Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for coming on. And um, I'll let you know when it's going to go out and everybody is now going to know Carol. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our listeners. listeners.